This weekend we had a life-giving wounds retreat here at St. Paul's, and it was helping to address the particular wounds that come to children who are in, come from families that have gone through divorce. The, the shame that's sometimes there, the sorrow, especially in our experience of God the Father. It's also vocation awareness week, so I'm expected to talk on vocations today. And on top of that, we've been meditating on the book of Maccabees this whole week about fidelity to Christ, fidelity to God in the time of persecution, which is where that first reading came from. The mother with the seven sons who preferred to die rather than sacrifice the commandments of God. So I'm going to try to find a way to take all three themes, martyrdom, marriage, and vocations, and put it in one talk for one hour. (laughs) One woman said to me, Father Nathan, you're like a guy who's always trying to take 10 pounds of crap and put it in a five-pound bag. <laughs> She's like 80 years old, and she did not use the C word. She used the worst word, so I was pretty impressed by that. I never forgot that. I'm still learning, though. All right. So I want to try to encapsulate all three of those themes from one idea from St. Augustine. He wrote this book called The City of God, thousand-page treatise on what it means to be a Catholic in the fourth century. Say it's one of the greatest works on Christianity in the history of the church. But all of it comes down to one idea. You don't even have to read the other thousand pages. It all centers around this thought. That there's two cities being lived out on earth in the history of the world. The city of God and the city of man. And what makes you a part of that is not just being a Catholic. What makes you a part of that is what you're willing to sacrifice for. Where your ultimate desires in life are leading you. And he says that the city of man is composed of those who live on earth and are willing to sacrifice their citizenship with God, their fidelity to God, in order to belong to the city of man on this earth, to have their desires fulfilled here and now. That's the city of man. And the city of God is all those who live on this earth and are willing to sacrifice their comforts and desires and fitting into this world here and now so as to protect their citizenship with God for all eternity. He said every single human being is being played out in one of those two cities. Those who seek heaven on earth and those who seek heaven in heaven. So the only way that martyrdom for fidelity to God makes sense is if we're living for heaven. The only way that marriage for life makes sense is if we're living for heaven. And the only way that priesthood, celibacy, and consecrated life makes any sort of sense on this earth is if we are living for heaven. So let's really begin with the Maccabees because it's, it's such a fascinating book. If you have one kind of piece of homework for this week, I'd say, listen or read the book of Maccabees. We don't read too much in our time anymore. You can listen to it on YouTube just fine. Take you 30 minutes. And it's a historical book, and it's about, it's not so much about the Greeks who are persecuting the Jews in the 4th century BC, but it's about how the Jews responded in that time of persecution. 
right? Because when Antiochus, he was the Greek um, emperor at that time. And when they subjugated the Jews, he wanted to have one empire, one world order. Everybody around him worshiping the same God, doing the same thing, which was a God of this world. And anyone who didn't abandon their own false gods, their other gods, and follow their ways were put to death. So it says, Then the king wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people and abandon their particular customs. But what happened with that is the leaders of the church, those the Jews at that time, began to suffer a great persecution because they were trying to hold on to their beliefs, their commandments, which, which set them apart from everybody else in the empire. And at one point, some of the leaders of the Jews went to the king and proposed, we will lead the people to follow you. So basically it says, in those days there appeared in Israel transgressors of the law who seduced many, saying, let us go and make a covenant with the Gentiles all around us. Since we separated from them, many evils have come upon us. The proposal was agreeable. Some from among the people promptly went to the king. They built a gymnasium dedicated to the Gentiles. They disguised their circumcision and abandoned the Holy Covenant. They allied themselves with the Gentiles and sold themselves to wrongdoing. So at this point, many of the Jews said it's just too hard for us to remain faithful to God in the midst of a culture that is going the completely opposite direction. Let's blend in with everybody else and get along so that we don't have to suffer the consequences here and now. And that's not something that's not something that's anything foreign in the history of the chosen people of God, in the history of our own church. Just this last week, I was really appalled when I heard this. A bishop in Ireland put out a public apology because one of his priests dared to preach against homosexuality and the sexual revolution. Not only was the priest silenced and forbade from doing any public preaching in that diocese, but because he said in his homily that homosexual acts are mortally sinful and that the distribution of free contraceptives is promoting promiscuity and that it's lunacy to encourage children to question their sexual identity. Because he said those three things, the bishop pulled him and made a public apology saying, the views expressed do not represent the Christian position. I'm sorry, but that is lunacy. And all you have to do is open up a catechism at Catholic Church or a Bible to know the truth on that. There are still leaders of the people, priests and bishops, who are choosing to live in the, the city of man, to be comfortable with this world and get along. And by doing that, what happens? We have to sacrifice what God himself has commanded us to follow. But then you have the other side. You have the story of like this first reading, this mother and her sons raised them so well to follow God's commandments and honor him above everything. They were willing to go under every torture and torment without losing faith in heaven. And that's the secret there. Like we even see it in the Sadducees here. Who is Christ talking to in the gospel? When he gives this parable about this woman who, had, who dies childless. 
says, some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward to Christ asking. These were priests of the people, but they were political priests. They were allied with Herod at the time. And it, they found, we found graves of the Sadducees that had been dug up by our archaeologists. They're just filled with riches. These were the richest of the priests in the time of Christ. And why was that? Because they were seeking their kingdom of God on earth, a heaven on earth. And to do that, there has to be some piece of you that stops believing in heaven, that stops striving for heaven, that stops aligning our desires to be happy with God for all eternity in heaven. And so what strengthened these these seven sons to be faithful in the midst of their martyrdom was their longing for heaven. How could I betray the God who will raise me up on the last day in the midst of this temporary suffering? I hope in Him. My hope is in my God. And that hope gave them the strength they needed to endure whatever sufferings were in front of them at that time. So even Maccabees talks about this. says, But many, right when it says, when many were going the other way and aligning themselves with the emperor, it says, But many in Israel were determined and resolved in their hearts not to eat anything unclean. They preferred to die rather than to be defiled or to profane the holy covenant. And they did die. So right there you see the two cities that struggled. Those seeking heaven on earth and those who sought heaven in heaven. You know, I, a lot of what I learn about what's going on in our age today, I just hear from the Frasati house, just hanging around the guys there, which it's a great, a great gift and a great suffering at the same time. Someone asked me the other day, what's it like living at the Frasati house? One story that perfectly encaps, encapsulates it. Uh, we just had our mass Halloween, right? Uh, the All Souls Day. So it was outside at the cemetery. And one of the, cemet- one of the Frasati boys was giving the chalice and so he goes over to me after Mass and he says, Father, this moment I, I drank the precious blood of Jesus. And I, as I was drinking, I was looking up at all the stars. And I just felt like the God of heaven and earth is inside of me right now with his precious blood coursing through my veins. And him and I are just looking up at the stars like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. And then right then another Frasati boy comes up right next to us and says, Hey, you see that constellation up there? That's Uranus. <laughs> like, that's my life right now. Both the highest and the lowest at the same moment. So, great timing. So, another thing, something like that was happening was uh, we were having a conversation with one of the Frasati guys while I was beating him in that pool, which, which is nothing you know, out of the ordinary. Uh, but then he said something that really impressed me which is actually out of the ordinary. Um, He has a friend who was a teacher in a school system in Washington, right? And this young woman in her 20s is is teaching elementary elementary age and like junior high. A nine-year-old girl came to her, fourth grade, with a sheet that says, are you a supporter of LGBTQ rights? I want to find out who's with us in this school system. Nine years old. And this little girl who had like a really nice girlfriend 
you know, just a friend that's a girl, because of all the propaganda that's around her, starts questioning, maybe I belong to this group of people because I really like this other girl just even as a friend. You think about what kind of danger this little girl has put that teacher in at this point. We're, now we have nine-year-old girls, nine-year-old students questioning if teachers are faithful to the teachings of this modern government that we're following. This is exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. You had children asking their parents, their relatives, and teachers, which side do you stand on? It's the same thing that happened in communist Russia. Children asking where their allegiance was. The government, democracy, Christianity. And the same thing happened in the time of the Maccabees. And the same thing is happening in America today. And what the fascinating thing about this whole whole thing is that there's no room for dialogue anymore. There's no place to even say, love the sinner, but hate the sin, right? I love you. I want what's best for you, but this isn't good for you, and I can't support you in this. You can't do that. You're either an enemy or you're an ally. But whenever, the, the problem with all this is that we're made for heaven, Our desires are good. When we desire a unity of mankind together under one God, under one belief system, it's good. When we desire perfect love and justice and peace, it's good. We're made for all of these things. But we will never have it in its perfect state here and now on earth. And the way that you get hell on earth is when you try to build a utopia of man outside of heaven. In the land of exile. It's not here. So the reason that we have a life-giving wounds retreat is because of all these children who are coming from divorced households, who are the collateral damage of parents who chose to separate because the love that they found in one another wasn't enough for this earth. There's always collateral damage when we try to seek heaven on earth and our comfort here and now. One of the biggest reasons we have such a fallout in vocations to the priesthood and religious life is because people are so obsessed now with seeking a perfect love on this earth. And that's also why priestly celibacy is being put into question. We need priestly celibacy now more than any other time if, if to tell such a promiscuous society that there's something better worth waiting for. And is the the following of all of our desires right now really getting us in a happier, more just and fruitful and peaceful place in our lives? Just look around us. There's no end to the desires on earth. And right now, more than ever, we need Catholics who are willing to suffer the consequences of being faithful to Jesus Christ and his gospel in the midst of a society that is becoming increasingly hostile to our most basic teachings. And when we are not the salt of this earth, the light of the world, everything goes to hell around us. That's a burden that has been placed on us as the children of God. But we can only take up that responsibility when we have our eyes on heaven, when all of our hope for the happiness that we were created for and the love that we desire 
is in heaven with Jesus Christ. There are two cities on this earth. Those living for heaven and those living for earth. The only way marriage for life makes sense is if we're living for heaven. And the only way priesthood and consecrated life makes sense is if we're living for heaven. And the only way martyrdom, being willing to die for our fidelity to God in this life and his commandments, is if we're living for heaven. May every single one of us resolve to belong to the city of God, no matter what that cost may be.